Welcome to Asbury United Methodist Church. My name's Pastor Will. Thanks for joining our podcast. This is where you'll be able to find all of our sermons, as well as special devotionals and interviews. We hope these messages inspire hope and bring support as you grow on your journey of faith. If you have any questions, or if you want further conversation, or if you simply like what you hear, connect with Asbury through our Facebook page or by checking our website at asburymaitland.org. Good morning. Happy New Year. It's good to be with you. I'm Rachel. If I haven't met you yet, it is a privilege to be with you. I just want to show a few words of thanks to Pastor Chris and Pastor Will for inviting me to speak today. Um, If I haven't met you, I am um, usually over at First United Methodist Church of Winter Park. I'm one of the associate pastors there, and we've been there for about two and a half years. We moved here smack in the middle of the pandemic in June of 2020, and uh, had two little kids at that point. We now have a third, and so she's four months old. And so a four-month-old teething mixed with, you know, late-night fireworks mixed with, you know, a dog with anxiety on a Saturday night with two pastors. Um, I really needed my coffee this morning, but it's good to be with you. My husband is also a pastor. He is over at uh, Orange City United Methodist Church. So we live in Maitland, but he commutes over there um, most days. So it is good to be with you. Thank you to our, our nursery workers and our child care workers that are taking care of my three tiny humans. Oh, and the rest of the kids. Yeah, sorry. The rest of the kids were rounding up and we're meeting Miss Laura in the back. Wave your hand if you're a tiny human or a, you know, kid at heart or just a kid. <laughs> Head on back so you can meet Miss Laura and, and learn a little bit more about Jesus with her. We're glad that you were here for the beginning part. Bye, guys. Have fun. The other thing I want to say uh, by word of thanks before we jump into our scripture this morning, New Year, New Life, um, I wanted to thank this church. You probably don't know this, but I have been to this church many times over the course of my ordination process. So I grew up in Ormond Beach, Florida at First United Methodist Church in Ormond Beach. That's where I heard my calling, actually, and I explored it and was formed there. But I came back to this church every December um, for recertification with the East Central District. I would go and I would sit in that beautiful parlor in there, and I would wait to go before, dun, dun, dun. The East Central District Committee on Ministry. I was nervous, um, but it was always a really great experience. I would spend time over here at your beautiful lake praying, Dear God, let them pass me. Dear God, let them pass me. Um, And then I would come back to the parlor and um, always heard affirming and and very kind words from the team. And then I would go and celebrate over at Jeremiah's Italian Ice. Uh, Because 12, 13 years ago, they didn't have them every four miles in Central Florida. uh, So it was a real treat. So I've been coming to this church and been affirmed by this church and just wanted to thank you for your hospitality in the way that you have played a major role in people like me in my life as I've been exploring my call into ministry. All right, so enough with introductions. Uh, Let's hear the scripture and let's pray together. So our scripture lesson comes from the book of Romans, a letter to the church in Rome. Chapter 12, the Apostle Paul is writing some practical words for us as we live into our new identity, our new life in Christ. So hear these words, verses 1 through 8. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, 
holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds, so that you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of yourself more highly than you ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body, we have many members, and not all the members have the same function. So we, who are many, are one body in Christ. And individually, we are members one of another. We have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, prophecy in proportion to faith, ministry in ministering, the teacher in teaching, the exhorter in exhortation, the giver in generosity, the leader in diligence, the compassionate in cheerfulness. Uh, Would you pray with me? Holy and loving God, as this word is read and proclaimed, uh, may we hear with joy what you are saying to us today. God, would you speak through me a word to your people, a word that would encourage and challenge and stretch us. May we hear it with grace. May we hear it with joy. We thank you, O God, for this word. We thank you for this new year and for a new opportunity to grow more in love with you as we love our neighbors and as we love ourselves. We pray all this in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, there's a lot that we could unpack in this scripture, a lot that we can pull out or we could teach from. You've probably heard this scripture read and proclaimed before. But I thought in the beginning of this new year, on this very first day of 2023, the first thing that pops out to me as I'm reading this scripture is that we worship a God that's up to new things, always. God is doing something new, fresh starts, new beginnings, new opportunities, and always, as Wesleyans, we believe, second chances. We worship a God of grace and a God of new beginnings. Now, as we reflect, and maybe you've been doing this over the weekend, as we reflect on what this last year has been, what's happened, where we were challenged, where we triumphed, where there was hurt, where there was sadness, We look at the world around us, right? We see the brokenness, we see the chaos, and we know that as members of the body of Christ, we're not called to add to that chaos or add to that brokenness by continuing divisive ways of our heart and our actions, but we're called to add to the unity. We're called to add to the bridge-building effort that Christ invites us into especially loving those hard to love and hard to understand. Now, a lot of the division and the brokenness that we see in our everyday life, of course, we're not responsible for it, right? We didn't cause it, we didn't start it, we didn't sustain it, but we are called as members of the body of Christ living into this new identity that we're called to, to help make it better. We have an opportunity. Again, God is doing something new in us and in this new year. And so this Sunday, as we start a new year, we're reading this part of the letter from uh, the Apostle Paul to the church in Rome, and we're thinking about our own new identity in Christ. We're thinking about how we live into this hope, joy, peace, love that we just celebrated in the season of Advent. Now, I hope you heard the words in their living sacrifice. That's what I really want to focus on today. Um, and I love how, how Paul writes the, the letter of the Romans. I don't know if you've studied it before. You probably have. But the first 11 chapters of, Rome, of Romans really gets down to the, the theology. 
talks about the foundation of salvation through faith in Christ. It talks about the seriousness of sin, the wages of breaking the law of God, and about the sweetness of grace. But then we get to chapter 12 in Romans. And this is what I call the the rest of Romans, next five chapters, is really the, the so what part of the letter. How many of you have been in worship or in a lecture or um, some other opportunity where you hear a speaker just give a wonderful sermon or a wonderful flowery lecture, and you're like, wow, that was great, but I don't know what I'm supposed to do with it, right? That's, that's where this letter to the Romans changes its tone. So Paul builds up to it, all those 11 chapters, and then in this chapter, chapter 12, it's the so what, the practical part. This is what he now wants us to do with what we believe. If we believe the Gospels, and if we believe what happened after Jesus came and spread the word and changed the world, Acts of the Apostles, and now we believe in in the law and how we are supposed to live into the law in Acts and in Romans, then what are we going to do about it, right? How are we going to live this new identity? Now, one commentator talked about this particular scripture as the litmus test for our Christian ethics. He said that theology in isolation promotes a barren intellectualism, right? If we were just to read and live by Romans chapters 1 through 11, that's the theology that is in isolation. Or if we were just to live the practical parts, how we're supposed to live out our faith, the ethics apart from the theological base is impotent to achieve its goals, right? We need both. They are two sides of the same coin. So this practical section in Romans, really where the rubber meets the road, and where we really begin to live this good news out in our life for the good of others, for the building of the kingdom. And this really, I think, was where Paul would argue this is where true life really begins. So we dive into those first eight verses. I want you to be mulling over the living sacrifice phrase for a moment. I want to give you an image that stood out to me. It was a really helpful movie. Um, It's not one you want to watch with your kids, but uh, it's called Hacksaw Ridge. Raise your hand if you've seen Hacksaw Ridge. All right, so um, let me tell you a little bit of the backstory. And again, it is a little gory, but I'm not going to say anything that, um, that kids wouldn't be able to hear. So I'll first share that my grandfather... My mom's dad, Bob Williams, uh, served in World War II, and he was a paratrooper in Japan. And um, when I was old enough, I think, to hear some of his stories, I remember hearing stories a lot like what happens in this movie. He was a paratrooper uh, behind enemy lines in um, islands off of Japan. And so this story, Hacksaw Ridge, is actually based on Desmond Doss. He is a Seventh-day Adventist and a conscientious objector who joined the U.S. military not to fight, but because he believed in the cause. Now, because of his religious views, he refused to touch a weapon the entire time he was in war. Uh, So he actually signed up to be a Pacific combat medic because he believed in the cause, again, of World War II, but he wanted to save people, not kill people. 
So in this movie, you see this skinny man who is bullied and picked on by his platoon because, let's be honest, the platoon didn't think much of him. They didn't think they could trust him or depend on him to protect them with their life. But when the platoon was sent to battle, uh, to the Battle of Okinawa, they fought that actually on the top of Hacksaw Ridge. He proved, Desmond Doss proved, that he could be a protector Um, The story goes that he saved over 75 soldiers on the ridge that day. Uh, And although he was wounded at the very end, uh, the battle had been won. Now, this is a true story of a man that used his life as a sacrifice for many. And actually, he was the first conscientious objector to be awarded the Medal of Honor. Now, of course... As you've probably seen other movies directed by Mel Gibson, it is a bloody one. Uh, But I highly recommend it. Now, I don't recommend it to you because I'm a movie critic or a historian. I recommend it to you as a follower of Jesus because it shows us one way of looking at this idea of not being conformed to the world and instead using your life to influence those in your sphere, influence those around you. Through the story of Desmond Doss, I hope uh, you can begin to picture in your mind what living sacrificially looks like. Now, I'm not advocating for war. I think that there is many ways that we can be living sacrifices in all circumstances. Um, But this, at least, is an image of a man refusing to kill. He used his body instead as his life, as a sacrifice for those and it was just this beautiful countercultural image for me. And I hope if, if you see it or have seen it, it would be for you. Now, part of what makes this phrase living sacrifice so misunderstood is I know many of you have grown up in the church. You've studied the Old Testament. You've studied what it means to have a sacrifice brought to the altar. You know the story of the Hebrew people. And so the idea of living sacrifice, you would think, okay, well, the sacrifice would have to be dead. So what does it mean to make it a living sacrifice? Well, the, the living part the, is the reflection of the voluntary nature of the act, right? That we are, we are choosing to give ourselves up for the good of the whole, the good of the body, the good of the community. In the new order that Jesus came to establish... Sacrifice does not consist of taking the life of others, but of giving ones up, right? Giving our life up, our time, our talents, our energy, our focus. Being a living sacrifice doesn't just happen, of course, in wartime or against our enemies, but being a living sacrifice can and should happen at all times and all places. So maybe we need to adjust our thinking in how we think about living sacrifice. It's not just about heroic behavior or courageous action alone, but the living sacrifice that Paul calls us to and commends us to be, at least in the letter to the Romans, is about voluntarily giving our life up for others. And I bet you can all think through this past year about times when you have, you have given up your time or your talent or your resources for the good of of others or for the good of the community. This is how we're called to live into our new identity in Christ. Now, we're Methodists, so we like processes. We like methods. 
And there's a three-part process that Paul walks us through just in this scripture alone that helps us begin to live lives of, of sacrifice for one another. First, he talks about, in verses 1 and 2, he talks about don't be conformed any longer to the patterns of this world. Right? Don't, don't, be, don't be so stuck in the way the world wants us to be. Live counterculturally. Live like Jesus. Now, I know I'm preaching to the choir because you're here this morning. You know what it means to live out your faith in a corporate experience. But sometimes I think we begin to think that faith is a, is a separate individual act when really we need each other. We need the community around us. No man is an island, right? We're not, we're not called to, to practice lone ranger Christianity. We need one another. As iron sharpens iron, we need one another in community, whether it's Bible studies, small groups, covenant groups, community groups, whether it's going and serving together, whether it's being here in this space and worshiping. We need one another to grow into becoming living sacrifices. So we don't want to conform anymore to the patterns of this world. We see that a world is broken. We see that Jesus has another way for us. And another way that Paul encourages us is to renew our minds. I love that phrase, to renew our minds. When I was serving in a church in Gainesville, I've served, this is my fourth church that I'm at. My first appointed church was in Gainesville, Florida. I worked with a director of missions that um, did most of his work in um, parts of Central America. And he said, you know, one piece of advice I have for you, Pastor Rachel, is to not believe everything you think. And that really, that really set with me for a long time. Don't believe everything you think. Because there are often times when we think things because of our perception, because of the way we were raised, because of the people that surround us, that may need to be questioned, that may need to be challenged. And so I believe that when Paul is calling us to have a renewed mind through the power of the Holy Spirit, is to, is to really focus on the things that are lasting. Focus on the things that are eternal. Focus on the things that build up the body of Christ, and grow God's kingdom. A renewed mind is, is concerned with those issues of life that are of lasting importance. By nature, our thoughts do tend to move and dwell to fleeting things, but, but that which passes is normally inconsequential. So, so how can we, in this new year, begin to have a renewed mind? Well, I'll tell you, I don't have a renewed mind when I focus on the latest news headline, on things that are, that are chaotic or broken in the world. Now, maybe I want to do something about it, but, but I, don't, I don't dwell on it. Or maybe I don't have a renewed mind when I get frazzled by something that a church member or, or someone in the community has said unkindly to me. I think another way that, that a renewed mind is, is not concerned with, with keeping up with the trends or the latest styles or having the best or being bothered by one encounter or experience. Instead, we want to be people that live sacrificially because our minds are renewed, because they're focused on good and holy decisions and actions. What would the world look like if, if people that follow Jesus had a renewed mind? Were they focused on the things that are eternal, the things that are lasting. So once our hearts are conformed no longer to the patterns of this world, once our minds are being renewed, 
then it's so much easier to do this last part that Paul talks about. And it's probably the hardest part, probably the most painful, but it's the squashing out of our pride. It's the letting go of our ego. You see, the root of all sin comes down to pride. The Apostle Paul knows this and talks about how dangerous it can be when it's held and maintained within Christian community. And so this is why then verse 3, Paul writes this. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of yourselves more highly than you ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body, we have many members, and not all the members have the same function. So we who are many are one body in Christ. And individually, we are members one of another. That's verses 3 through 5. I hope you caught that. Not all members have the same function. Not not all members have the same importance or the same value, right? Not all members have the same function. Simply put, if I were to break those verses down, I'm not that important. You are not that important. I'll tell you a story. When I was in um, choir at American Musical Theater, I grew up in Daytona Beach and um, Seabreeze High School. Chris Ensley was our choir director, and he was wonderful. And we would sometimes, you know, when you get into this performance world, you try to compete with each other. You try to be the best. And sometimes it created haughty attitudes and a little bit of snootiness. And sometimes uh, Chris Ensley, our choir director, whenever he kind of had enough of one person trying to, trying to be about their ego and about being perfect and about being better than everybody else, he would say, I'm Rachel and this is the world, right? Have you ever seen that? I'm this and this is the world. This is me and the rest of the world circles around me, right? That's the, that's the mindset we want to get away from where our pride and our ego are the most important and it seems like the rest of the world revolves around us. No, if we're about unity, and I believe all of us are, we want to be living sacrifices that build bridges. And the only way that happens is by having a humble spirit. Swallowing our pride at times can be painful, but it's so necessary, so necessary for the practice of community together. And we do it not just because it builds up our body, but because the world is watching The world is listening and watching how our witness matches what we say we believe and what we say we believe in. So, if we're called to be living sacrifices, we're called to not conform any longer to the patterns of this world, we're called to renew our minds, not believing everything we think, but but finding new ways to focus on things that, that aren't fleeting, but are lasting and eternal. And then we let go of our pride. We let go of our ego, and we practice humility. I'm sure many of you know this better than I know it. You've lived life long enough to know where humility has been the strongest part of your relationships. And then this is the fun part. Once we get this part down of living sacrificially, then we get to practice our gifts. 
Now, there are seven mentioned in this scripture in Romans, but there are more in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and Ephesians chapter 4 and other miscellaneous passages throughout the Bible. They do talk about other spiritual gifts. But here are the seven that Paul mentions at least to the church in Rome. They are, um, again, prophet, minister, teacher, encourager, leader, generosity, and mercy, compassion. Now, I've taken a few spiritual gifts tests over my life. I did one in high school, and then I tried it again when I was in um, college just to see if they had changed, and they hadn't. Um, Everyone has a a top two or three. How many of you have had a chance to take your spiritual gifts test by show of hands? Wonderful. I want to encourage you, if you haven't, seek out somebody from your pastoral leadership team. Um, I'm sure they'll figure out how to help you take a test. Um, My three are leadership, discernment, and administration. I will tell you, I scored zero in speaking in tongues. You're welcome. Uh, and I also scored zero in mercy. So sometimes my husband and I uh, will be talking, and he's just like, I just don't know why, you know, this. And I'm like, well, honey, I, I don't have any mercy. Um, no, all joking aside, you know, we all have areas that need to grow and expand, and then we have areas that we're naturally blessed in, we're naturally gifted in. And so when we figure out those gifts, then the fun part is getting to use them together as the body, weaving them together in a way that it builds the body, it grows the body, it expands God's kingdom. And so um, whether or not you've taken an assessment, I encourage you to do that. I'm sure somebody from uh, the church can help make that happen. But um, the important part is that no gift is more important than the other, right? Everything is, is about the function. How does that gift help the body function? Nobody is more important. And so sometimes we get into a rut, right, that this person has this gift and I, I don't have that. But really we need everyone. We need everybody in the body to work together and to be a part of living sacrificially to grow God's um, kingdom and to be a part of uh, the change that the world needs. So just to recap, um, as we live sacrificially, as we start this new year, as we, as we really fall more in love with Jesus this year and as we figure out a little bit more about who we are called to be, we want to remember the words of Paul. We want to We want to no longer conform any longer to the patterns of this world. If you've looked at the world, we know something's not working, right? So we don't want to to conform any longer to what the world says we need to be valued and loved and to be successful, right? Jesus has another way. Let's, let's Let's follow that way. And then we have the opportunity to renew our mind, to to not believe everything we think, um, but to really uh, let the Holy Spirit speak and help us focus on the things that are eternal. And then last, as we push down our pride, as as we become people that are humble and people that um, want to share our gifts with one another, watch and see what God might do uh, through you, through your family, through your marriages, through your community, and through the church in this new year. I pray for you. I hope that you'll pray for me. Uh, we're on this journey together. We're figuring this out together. By no means are we perfect, uh, but God is leading us and guiding us, and I'm excited to see what God might do. Uh, let us pray together. Holy and loving God, we give you thanks for your word this morning. We thank you, God, that you are not finished with us, We thank you that you are still working on us and that you give us new chances and new opportunities to worship you through our lives.
Help us learn what it means to live sacrificially. Help us to have a renewed mind. Help us to let go of our ego and our pride and help us to focus on the things that are of lasting importance. God, we love you. We thank you for this new year. We thank you for this church and the opportunity to worship you together as one body. God, as we, as we stand and as we sing, uh, we do believe the words of this song, Here I am, Lord. God, we want to be used by you. Use us, speak to us, and speak through us. God, we love you and we praise you now. In your holy name we pray. Amen.